Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Because We Love Finding Meaning After Loss podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Haycock. I am a certified and accredited life coach, grief coach, and certified grief educator. And I wanted to create a podcast and a platform for individuals to share their stories of not only the trauma and the loss, and it's not just the loss of loved ones through death when we think of grief, it's any kind of loss. And I wanted to create this space for individuals to share their stories, but not just the story of the trauma and the loss, but the story of how they found healing, the different modalities and tools that they use to not only live their life, but then turn around and help others do the same. I am inspired by all of my guests and I hope that you will be too. So whether you're the griever and you're trying to figure out how on earth you're going to navigate this life and navigate these losses, or you're somebody who is supporting a loved one who is grieving and you're wondering how on earth do I help them? What do I say? What do I not say? I'm going to be interviewing individuals who are going to give you some tools. I will speak to professionals who will be able to give us some insight as well. So vulnerability and authenticity is my jam. And I hope that you are going to find some or all of these episodes inspiring, useful, and authentic and real. So even though we're talking about some difficult topics, there will be some humor, there will be some laughter. I know that's hard to understand, but there is. So let's get vulnerable, people. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to Eleanor Ward. Now, Eleanor is the owner of Bigger Fish to Fry Coaching And I absolutely love that name as we were talking and she was sharing her story, which is extremely powerful, by the way, I was looking in the back behind her is her logo with bigger fish to fry. And I was just thinking, this is an amazing name. So, uh, Eleanor and I had a great conversation and I know that you're going to be touched by her story and how strong and resilient she is and what she's been through. So Eleanor Ward is an international inspirational speaker, author, and coach. She is committed to empowering and equipping women with the tools to start over after trauma or a devastating loss and take their lives back. Eleanor believes that mindset shift, self-talk, coupled with guidance, training, and personal coaching sessions will put you back on course. Eleanor also owns Prosperity Business Magazine, which highlights and features amazing small businesswomen of diversity. Let's talk to Eleanor. Eleanor, thank you so much for being a part of the Because We Love podcast. It's great having you. And I know that you've got so much wisdom and and sharing your story as well. So I'm excited to have you. Hi, I'm excited to be here. 
<laughs> uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Okay. So shall we dive in? Do you want to just tell us about your story? Let's just jump in with both feet. Um, 15 years ago or so, somewhere in there, um, I lost my husband and my oldest son. And we were all in the Clarkson together, me, uh, my husband and two kids, and me and my youngest survived the car accident. In the meantime, um, so many things transpired that I totally was not ready for. I thought I'd have all this support. I thought I'd get all this love. I thought I'd have just, you know, you watch those movies about grief uh, on TV and they're just, they have all these people and oh, they're just making it through and they've got somebody to call. Man, when I tell you, nobody was there. I was abandoned, I was left and it made no sense because I've treated people wonderfully my whole life. But death really shows you who is who to your life. So long story short, I ended up in a spiral of a bunch of crazy grief for many years that I didn't know how to handle or control. I didn't have a mom I could call, not because she wasn't there. She just let me know I couldn't call her. <laughs> my dad uh, was trying to support me secretly because he always wanted to please my mom. And then just strange things. I didn't talk to siblings for many years. Now, here we are years later, they've apologized. They said they just didn't know how to handle me losing a child and a husband at the same time. So they just kind of retreated into their own little world. And I'm thinking, no matter what happens to you, sometimes you have to put aside what you're feeling and help the person going through it. And they opted not to do that. They all disappeared. So here we are all these years later, over a decade later, and it's all these apologies. It doesn't help. So anyway, in the meantime, it's me and this kid, this 11-year-old kid at the time. And all I saw was those big eyes and every dream I had, every dream that was in the works, I stopped. I went back to a nine to five, which has been a nightmare for the last 15 years because I'm not a nine to five person. But I thought that's what I had to do to raise him. And it was just constantly me getting fired every five minutes. Um, and I'm proud of that because that's okay. If you keep, <laughs> yeah. keep doing things, yeah, 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 <laughs> to do, then that's what you're going to get the consequence of that. And so it's not that I'm not a good worker. I mean, excellent worker. I suck at authoritative figures that I don't think are that bright, and that's that's my issue. And so um, I started realizing that I shouldn't be in that spot. I still shouldn't be in this place where nothing was happening. So I started uh, life coaching about three years ago. And I said, I was doing all the wrong stuff then too. And I said, you know, it's screw this. Nobody, I, I want to talk about grief and nobody, everybody told me not to, everybody, everyone told me not to do that. And I said, no, um, I got to figure it out because this isn't working for me or this kid. Yeah. And my because son's grown when you, yeah. Because when you had this significant loss, and and you were abandoned by all those friends and family, which grief is a lonely road anyway, but you do that on top of it. And you're so right. Like I've always said, when I talk about supporting those who are grieving, it isn't about you. Yes, it's going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you need to leave the room, go find your own support, go find your own therapist, go find, but you need to be there for that person. You don't have to say anything, but so you go years later. So, and you're, you know, going to jobs and getting fired, like having the, obviously, and you're, did you do 
anything? Was there any, did you go to therapy? Was there anything available for you? I went to group therapy and man, I don't recommend it. Uh, that's like walking into uh, the club, a club of grief, like the grief club with drinks. <laughs> Everybody's got these horrific stories and you go home and you feel a lot of times even worse. And I, and it's not that I hate groups. Then I went to a therapist and she just tried to say, my, this is, this is, this is a true story really quickly. She goes, you took, your son took your other son's place and you took your husband's place with your son. And I'm looking at her like, what? Are you crazy? So definitely left that chick. And then I went, what really saved me was there was a church group. And um, I thought, here we go again. It's another group. And I wasn't jumping up and down. But that woman uh, handled that group with such not only authority, but knowledge and empathy and allowed us to get our stories out, allowed us to get the tears out. And then she would steer you to the next thing. You weren't going to sit in that group and just not say why you're feeling that way today. And um, she had come from a place where her family, you know, had had a great, horrible death. And so she knew what to do. And she wasn't licensed or anything that I know of. But I think she's amazing. And she kind of put me on the path of saying, okay, now what's the next step? I have this group I can come to, but I don't necessarily want to come to my church group every Sunday for the rest, every first Sunday for the rest of my life, trying to get grief counseling, not that it wasn't available. And so I said, you know what? I have not really grieved. And then I said, you know what? That has nothing to do with it. There's there's no rhyme or reason. So I, when I sat still one day, I said, you know what? This is going to be with me the rest of my life. The problem I was doing wrong was I was trying to get over it and Uh, you can't get over it. No, no, you can't get over the loss of loved ones. And you are in this horrific accident who takes, which takes the life of your husband and your child. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you get over that? Like, that's not a thing. You don't, you're right. But, but was it, was it something in you that's like, I need to get over this so I can live my life for my son? Or was, were people telling you that? Was that like, did you feel like that was a message you were either inadvertently given or? Oh, it wasn't inadvertent. It was, it was clear from the moment they died. It was like, you'll get over it. You'll get a new husband. You'll get over it. You're still young. You'll get over it. You'll, you're this, you're that. Well, you, you know, be careful what you speak. I was 34. I may have been young, but no, I couldn't have more babies. My tubes were already tied. And so it doesn't replace, even if you were to get remarried you can't replace your or kids. have another, no, see, this is the thing that I think exactly. education is so important. And you need to be quiet sometimes. You don't know that my tubes are tied because I shouldn't have to tell you that. It's none of your business. You, you know, I don't want another husband. He, I've been with this man for 20 years. He just died. Can I have a moment? before I have to entertain a new man and a new father around my son. And so that was just reiterated constantly. And I thought, how horrible that people are hearing this about whatever it may be, you know, when it comes to death, family, mom, dad, whoever, you can get a surrogate mother. What? If you're in your 30s and your mom dies, why would you want a surrogate mom? I was like, oh my God. So anyway, long story short, that's when I said I had to learn to manage my grief. And I started changing because I wanted to live my life 
And my son was already at that time, probably 18 or 19, we had been through a lot of rough patches. And I said, this isn't working for me or him. We weren't sharing our grief. We weren't grieving together as we should or could have. And so when I sat down, I said, I'm going to make a actual, you know, program where you learn to manage your grief. And I'm going to be the first person to use it. And then I've had a few others to do it as well. But I was the first guinea pig, so to speak. And I learned how to navigate through my grief. And it completely changed everything, including the relationship with my son. That's amazing. So here you are, you find this church support group, which fit and you felt comfortable in that. And that was the beginning stages, right? But then you're like, what can I do? What I'm going to create it and be Mm -hmm. my own student. So you're the teacher, so to speak, and the student. I mean, that's really talk about taking the bull by the horns, so to speak, right? Wow. Well, I had, you know, looked at all the other stuff about grief and I was like, none of this pertains to someone who loses people in instantaneous death. And someone's like, what does that mean? I mean, they were dead in an instant. There was no two weeks in the hospital, no six months. We had an accident and they were dead. That sudden death is very different. Like it is such a, there's no goodbyes. There's no, all of a sudden they're there one moment gone the next and someone goes well that doesn't mean you wouldn't go through the six stages I said yes it does there's no stages to go through they're dead there it's just immediate and I remember going to my son who at the time was 11 and I said do you understand and he cut me off so fast he said they're dead and I was mm-hmm. like oh okay because he saw the carnage on the highway of his father and his brother out on the highway and he saw his mom laying through the hood of the car I went through the windshield um through the hood wow I was on the hood but like that (laughs) I was trying to figure out where I was on top of the hood so I think the kid pretty had pretty much had a good sign sealed delivered idea of what it was and he cut me off he's like they're dead I know they're dead and he didn't want to talk about it anymore and I left that alone so I was like yeah my kid understands so it's a different type of grief when it's instant and so that's where I started working from I was like, okay, I admire a lot of the grief work, but none of that grief work applies to people that are in these crazy situations, somebody being shot, a car accident, somebody just literally dropping dead of a heart attack at the mall and stuff like this happens. So that grief is different. So I said, this is going to have to be handled differently. My program can be used for anyone, but it's definitely really based for those that had something happen that changed their life in an instant. So it's really, it's really the sudden death and the trauma that is around the sudden death. Well, it's more so the trauma and how do you live? Because if someone's dying of cancer, you usually have a little time. Um, and even if it goes fast, you may have a few weeks or months or whatever, but you're able to make plans. You're able to figure out what your next step is going to be. You're able to decide while the person's still alive, you're going to sell the house, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. But here I am, they're, they're dead out on the highway. I just built a brand new house. We were getting ready to move across country because um, there was a lot of different facets going on at the time in our marriage. And so it was just all this different stuff going on. 
Now what do I do? Wow. So there, there are so many more people like me out here that literally people are like, why aren't they getting over it? Because you weren't ready for it to happen. So you're sitting there going, ooh. Yeah, the shock. I, I mean, the shock of I it all. She got mad. She showed up. And I didn't grab my purse. And my husband was the purse carrier. So I, you know, 20 years, he carried my purse. He tied my shoes. It was just that, he was just that type of guy. And she goes, are you not going to get your purse? I was like, oh my God. My husband's not here. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. And something like that is you don't just... think about that kind of stuff. Yes. You don't think of those things, do you? And then all of a sudden, wait, hit again with the reality. Wow. And I had been a stay-at-home mom for years. Well, I was always a stay-at-home mom with a lot of businesses, but I still stayed at home. So my son had a lot of trauma with me going to work after they died. And I was just being hard-headed trying to do what everybody said and get a job and push through. And I was suffering, he was suffering. And we had a horrible time in his teenage years. Um, we just struggled so badly because we were both trying to do things we shouldn't have been doing. He was trying to figure out how to not tell his mom, I need you at home because that's the type of mom you were. And I'm trying to tell him, well, I'm doing this because everybody else is saying what to do. And so that's what you have. You have someone sitting at home that's maybe been a stay-at-home mom, or you have somebody that, um, let's say the death happens and they have nothing in place. They don't know what to do. You know, they literally have nothing. They might've got married two weeks ago. Person drops dead, no life insurance or nothing. Nothing's even falling into place. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And now you have to not only navigate your own grief, but your son who's 11 years old and going through the teen years is difficult enough and add this. So what, so you said that obviously you then create your own grief management program and go mm -hmm. through it. You're the guinea pig. You've got clients who do it. And you had mentioned, was it about three years ago that you decided to become a life coach? Is that right? A grief actually, coach? Believe it or not, I got my life coaching certification a lot of years ago, probably like seven or eight years ago, but I didn't do anything. It was just sitting there. And I know there's other people like that. They probably don't want to be <laughs> And so I sat down about three years ago and I said, you need to do something with it. So everybody was like, well, you're so good at businesses. You have all these businesses, but my heart wasn't producing anything. So I was just like, okay, I'm trying to do something I don't really necessarily want to do. And then I just was, I was just kind of all over the place still. Cause I was, I just kept letting all these people get in my head. It grief does something where your decision-making process turns foggy. And sometimes you don't pull things together. And so luckily now those things have changed, but I was still in that place where I was all over. So finally I said, well, I want a degree and I was kind of scared to put my all into it. Then when I put my all into it, I still wasn't seeing anything. And then I had people telling me it's needed. It's needed. What you're talking about is needed. So it, it's, it's, it's the first program of its kind. I'm trying to get more people out there to know about it. It can be done through coaching. I'm in the process of becoming a licensed counselor and uh, I should be licensed by the end of the year. Wow. <laughs> um, so at this point, you know, I'm going to push very hard for it to get published, uh, to get a book out there on it. And I'm also going to be changing my website soon where you can just take the courses online and learn about 
what grief management grief management is and how it can help you. That's amazing. It is amazing how, you know, we talk about it's the in the podcast, it's such heavy topics of loss and grief and, you know, losing your husband and your child in one split second, and you're all together seeing it and experiencing it. And then what tools did you use to move through it? And then where are you at now? And then that's the part where, you know, we don't just say, well, you got over it or you did these few things and now it's all good. It's this long process of never getting over, but like how you're now taking this experience, helping others who, you know, are in this same, not everything, everybody's different, but in this experience of significant loss and what you said about grief fog. So true. Oh yeah. And I have so many people that will hit me after seeing something like your podcast or seeing me on my webpage. I mean, I'm my Instagram page and they'll hit me in the DMs and say, well, can you call my friend? And I go, nope. And they go, what, well, what kind of phone are you? You're losing money. And I go, no, I'm not. You can't call someone that's not ready to walk out of the fog. I had to be ready to walk out of that fog and I was ready to walk out of it. And I said, and it's, it's not a program for the week. It's nothing in it that's hurtful or debilitating or anything like that. It's a program where you got to work. You have to sit down with me and we got to talk about what happened. We have to talk about the trauma bond you have connected to it. And then we can make a real plan for you. And from there, we learned what triggers you about their deaths. We learned things that won't work for you. I know I can't watch certain movies now. I know that seems silly, but I remember watching Seven Pounds with Will Smith. Oh. That triggered me for like three weeks and it took me to a really bad place. And I was like, it's just a movie. But as I was working in my program, I came to understand you can't watch stuff like that anymore. And so now when people tell me, watch it, I'm like, wait a minute, what's it about? Before I go take that into my spirit, because it can take you to a place of being suicidal, being on the edge, just losing it, whatever, you know. So I teach you about your triggers for your grief, because your grief's individual. So I teach you about that. I teach you about understanding the holidays, how they affect you, understanding who in your family is helpful and who is not. And I know people hate to hear that, but it's true. Understanding who you can talk to about the deaths that you're having issues with and who you cannot. And also learning everybody doesn't need to have access to your grief. You don't have to tell it, but somebody said, you never talked about that to me. Why do I, why would I sit around and constantly have conversations about grief if I don't have to, if I'm having a great time, a good time, they're not going to come up. There's no reason to. And so I, I dig into that through, you know, some weekly systems. So every week we're doing something different. The homework is simple. It's easy to get done. And when you do it, you start to see the progress of yourself. You're like, oh, wow. Okay. I understand why I felt this way when this happened. I understand why I'm having panic attacks now. And so I kind of walk you through all of that stuff. And so I tell people, if they're not ready to come out of that grief fog, it's just going to be a waste of time. It's so true. 
It's so true. It's so true. And it's amazing. And you say like the homework, it's easy because people might get overwhelmed because the work itself, the inner work is, is painful and difficult, but Mm -hmm. also so important to get it out of you instead of sitting in you. But then I've had the same work. Oh, my friend really needs, I'm going to pay for her session. No, no, (laughs) no. And they, and you're right. They look at you like, what? Like, why? I'm not, no, first of all, you can tell them about me, but they have to make the call. They have to be ready to do it. I mean, this isn't, yes, because we as our friends, like we see them hurting and we think, oh my God, they need fixing. So here, I'll pay for you to see Eleanor. You know, I'll pay for all the programs for you to see Eleanor. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you said that because it's exactly right. Anybody with integrity would go, nope. (laughs) No, it it doesn't work. And so, you know, people are like, I'm just so worried. And I go, well, unfortunately, you're going to have to stay worried. Well, that's not caring. Well, I said, let's see. The backlash is you forcing them on a phone call with me and I'm getting nothing. I'm steady running my mouth and I'm getting nothing back. Because they're not receiving anything I'm saying. So when they hang up, everything went in one and right out the other. And so that was a waste of my energy and their energy as well, because they didn't receive it. They may not even remember what happened on the call. So I just tell people, no, no, thank you. And, you know, a lot of people, when I talk about shrines, a lady got mad at me (laughs) uh, because I said shrines are no, no. And she goes, no, I go into my daughter's room and I lay with all of her things. And um, I, I stay in the room for days. And I said, do you still, are you still married? She goes, well, my husband has filed for a divorce. I said, how do your kids feel? She goes, they don't talk to me like they used to. I said, that's why we don't do shrines. Um, I said, there's nothing wrong with memorabilia. There's nothing wrong with having things to remember your, your child by. But when you go into an area where you can shut yourself off, the whole family loses you. And she finally told me later that resonated with her. She actually said, I went to my daughter about what you said. And she said, oh yeah, we don't like who you are now, mom. And it makes us hate her even though she's passed, it's not her fault, but we don't like her either anymore. And so she said they helped her clean it out. Her husband came back and they're going to be working through some things. So I'm happy. You know, and some, yeah. people don't that. some people are going to keep that shrine and keep going into it until they lose everything and everyone around them. But that, I tell people it's, it's, it's a danger zone to have something like that. Because I could do that, but who does it help? Yeah. And it's interesting that you you know, you share this experience and what it sounds like it did was actually open up a conversation within the family that didn't happen before. So even Mm. if you give, you ask a question and that gets her to be thinking, then this conversation happens within the family unit. Mm -hmm. And that is the, the conversations piece is so important isn't it because i think we we need to say stuff to people and sometimes the best thing is to say nothing but when it's in the family unit speaking sharing sharing grief together you had mentioned that you and your son didn't grieve together for quite some time has that changed now i think it's better we have more open conversations about his father he's still really not that open about his brother. Uh, people think I'm lying, but contrary, probably they three years apart, but they were super close. Mm. And so 
that part I think will always take a minute for his brother with him and I don't know when that door may open but as far as his father he, he talks a little bit more he does a little bit better but I you know where we clashed was I lost a husband and a son he lost a father and a brother I hadn't lost those things and he hadn't lost those things so we literally had two different forms of grief going on and I hadn't researched enough to know we were both in different forms of grief which is why we were clashing when we were trying to grieve, because I'm looking for my provider and my husband and my lover and my everything and my kid that I gave birth to that breastfed. He's looking for his brother. He played video games with and his dad that took them and ice cream and this stuff. So we're looking at totally different types of grief. And so once I began to have a better understanding, I was like, okay, we're always going to have a different type of grief, but we can now kind of bring a few things together. When I can ask him, you know, how do you feel today? Is your brother's birthday or something like that? And he'll go, yeah, I know. I'm okay, but I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, okay. Or if it's something his dad made, like his dad made these pancakes that he loved. I'm like, oh, you're doing your dad's pancakes. Yeah, yeah, I think I got it. And I like the way dad did, blah, blah, blah. He'll talk a little bit. So I think that's where we were. We, we got on that path finally. Yeah. And so people do need to understand that's something that I don't think a lot of people think about. We're in the same family, but we're all grieving differently. So true. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such an important message, you know, because we do grieve differently, but the relationships are different. Mm-hmm. And that is such an important, important message and time frame as well. So someone may be further down the road or doing another type of modality or something that, and someone may not be doing that at all or doing something else and that it, that's okay. Wow. And everybody has a different take on what they want to do. Somebody might want to do spiritual. Somebody might want to do more conventional, more traditional. There's nothing wrong with that. The good thing about the grief management program, it can address any of those ways and modalities that you want to do it. We definitely, that's another, that's another thing I jumped into at both feet. I was like, how can I help someone that wants that spiritual path or that godly religious path or just that more traditional path? And so that's available when we customize, you know, the management program for you. And I tell people, and within six months of doing that, because that's the longest program I have is the 12, what, six, 12 weeks, uh, six months, whatever. <laughs> within that time frame, I get on all the weeks. Um, there should be no need to come back and see me. Not because I'm just so phenomenal, but because I've given you enough tools that you you don't need to see me anymore. Yes. And you got to put the tools to use at some point without yes, me. Because it's not a, <laughs> yes, because it's not a codependent relationship. It's like, here, no. let's work through these things. Here's the tools. So when an anniversary comes up or when the holiday comes up, you can go, oh, here in my tool belt is what I need. And they, I'm sure if they needed to come and get a little top up, they can, they can come to. Oh, yes. So that's let, I mean, that your story is heartbreaking and it's beautiful what you have also done. So it's one of those heartbreakingly beautiful stories. And I'm so glad that you share you know, that you share not only your personal experience, but how you share about your son and how you share your experience with others so that they too can find grief management so that they too can live because that's what it is. Like you said, I'm alive. I need to, we need to live. Yeah. 
because I and I was also running. I was running for my life. I don't know from what, but I was running from state to state. I papoose that kid on my back, and we were in the next state. I don't like it here. We're in the next state. I don't like it here. We're in the next state. I don't like it here. What I didn't like was I didn't have a husband and a kid. I didn't have a family anymore. But I was dragging this poor kid all over. So now I feel like, oh, I did so much damage. He's not good with people. That's actually, he's just like, fine, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I'm like, I just jacked you all up. Cause I literally, and I wasn't running like around the corner. I mean, I was running across the country. And so I was literally just, zoom, zoom. my sister would just go, what's your address now? My brother yeah. was like, where are you at now? Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, let me write that one down. I mean, literally, I was just like, running, going over here. Yes. <laughs> and so that was something I thought about too. I said, there are people that are doing that that aren't even leaving their homes, but they're mentally running everywhere. Yes. You know. Yes, they may not physically be running, but they could mm-hmm. certainly be emotionally and mentally running. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, I used to say this was before I had all these losses in my life, but I used to say to my kids, I'm like, I'm not saving for your universities. I'm saving for your therapy because someday you're going to surely need it because, you, you know, and yeah. we always joked about it. Like, you know, you don't need to go to university. You can go to therapy for all the damage I've done. But, you yeah. know, it's one of those things where we do. We always have mom guilt anyway. But the fact that you've gone through such traumatic and then your son's going, I'm fine. Like, don't worry. We've all he actually started therapy last year. Um which shocked me because he was so resistant and he fought every type of help I tried to get him uh, when he was younger. And he was like, yeah, it's helping a little bit. He's stopped. And I said, well, are, are you going to go again? Because he only had a few, so many visits with his job. He said, yeah, I think I'm going to start again. I just want to get better health care. And um, he was like, yeah. and I was like, okay. So I was kind of happy about that. because A friend of mine was like, why would you be happy? He went to therapy. He could be saying all kinds of stuff. I was like, well, then he needs to say whatever he needs to say. Hundred uh, percent. But see, I'm pro therapy when you find a good therapist, of course, yeah. not the experience you had. But when you find a good therapist, it's great, yeah. you know, and it's so helpful. And to be able to say something to a third party person who's not mom, you know, yes. to, in case of hurting mom. So it's wonderful that he's, you know, starting down that path. So, yeah. I mean, it's it is amazing what you've been able to achieve. And I would love for you, I I will in the show notes, put all of your details in there. So how people can find you, but I would love for you just to tell us, I can see the sign in the back for those of you who aren't watching in the video, but why don't you tell us how people can find you, Eleanor? Uh, You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm all across the boards as Bigger Fish to Fry Coaching. Why? Because you got Bigger Fish to Fry. I mean, I love the name. I love it so much. Bigger Fish to Fry. It's amazing. Bigger Fish to Fry. And um, I, my website is www.biggerfishtofrycoaching.com. There's tons of goody, goody stuff on there uh, as well. And there's blogs and all kinds of stuff. And um, I am working very hard on getting the grief management book together. Everybody's like, well, why are you out talking about it? It's not ready. I say, oh, I'm pushing myself to have it hopefully by the summer. And I definitely will send you info when that's available, just so you'll at least know about it. Um, but I'm definitely trying to get that out there. It's a little bit of a fight because, you know, the, the psychological field wants to have everybody in that same 80-year-old, six stages of grief stuff that's no longer working. But 
that's where I am. Uh, I am bigger fish to fry coaching across the boards. Uh, I'm a little cartoon character. I don't know if you can see it in the background. I can, yes. Because I, I got other stuff to do. And somebody <laughs> said, well, that's horrible to say about your family. No, it's not. I got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, I love and my it. Husband and my son would say that. So they'd be like, yeah, mom, you got other stuff to do. <laughs> I love it. It just suits you. It just, uh, you know, I've only known you for a short time, but it just suits you perfectly. I love it. Uh, thank you so much, Eleanor, for sharing your story, sharing thank your you wisdom. And who knows, but maybe back in this, in the summertime, we'll get back together, pop you on the show and we can, you can share more of your wisdom with us. Definitely. I'd love to. And I thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm, I'm always pumped. I'm super excited. So, and people are like, is that just, no, when you have been in the doldrums for a long time, this is what being around me, my program and all of that definitely gets you to and that that's that's not a joke and I want everybody to have the life that you have and what do I have I still have love for my husband and son they still have a great place in my life but now I can live again so amen (laughs) amen I love it I love it thank you so much thank you